Mihi o yahi good afternoon. You're on the panel on RNZ National. Rewani Pereira report on Threes, the Hui and News Hub. Joining Liam here, lawyer and National Party member, and to this, an estimated 700 properties across the country are now considered unlivable, and homeowners will be offered a voluntary buyout through a funding arrangement between the government and councils. The government and councils will offer a buyout option to property owners whose land is too risky to rebuild on and co-fund protection works for those who need it. Minister Michael Woods said initial indications showed about 700 properties would not be built on again, with up to 10,000 needing additional protection works before homes could be rebuilt. Cyclone Recovery Minister Grant Robinson and the government has a, said the government has a bore park figure that the Category 3 buyouts could cost a billion dollars. With us is Professor Bruce Glovovich, School of People, Environment and Planning at Massey University. Professor, kia ora, welcome. Kia ora, thank you, Wallace. Big announcement here, Bruce, and I can imagine this would, this would result in a lot of very upset homeowners today. Oh, absolutely. Um, having faced just, you know, the devastation of uh, the cyclone and the aftermath and the uncertainty of, of where to from here um, and then still obviously wanting more detail. Um, but, yeah, people who whose treasured position, some, you know, in many cases you know, where they've invested most of uh, what they have and connect to in such deep and special ways, it's, it's a very difficult time. Yeah, big, big news to the Rwani. What's your thoughts? Oh, yeah, Bruce, I second that. I mean, just imagine, you know, learning the fate today after the mm. last three months and, um, you know, having been there as well and seen some of the devastation right. as... Um, yeah, it looks worse in real life, you know, if you can imagine how bad those photos are. Um, yeah, but so I just, you know, I just, you know, looking at it um, and what happened during Bowler, you know, in 89, should some of these things have been rectified? Like, had they been done there, like lifting um, homes or putting in flood protections and that kind of thing, could we have maybe swerved this now? Gosh, yeah. Um, there's, always, there's always much we you know, when we look back with the benefit of 2020 vision, uh, there's lots that we could have done differently. Um, but really, when it boils down to to it, um, there are two different dimensions that are fundamental. If we're going to expose people to extreme events, the, the, the horrible, even tragic consequences are inevitable, and it's a matter of time. And with so many of our homes and things we value located along rivers and along low-lying shoreline in an era of real climate change and rising sea level, it's inevitable that those exposed are going to be impacted. To make matters worse, if you're really susceptible to harm and you have limited capacity, if you're perhaps uninsured, um, don't have um, you know, major um, income and influence, your ability to cope after that impact is even worse. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, as, as horrendous as this has been for so many in the Hawke's Bay, we do have many, many communities, small and large, around our terror, where, you know, the present reality of climate change, not the future reality, but the present reality of climate change, makes for very risky prospects. And I suppose the silver lining with this announcement is 
government is saying we are going to work with local communities, right. with Mana Whenua, with local councils to do something about it. Yeah, all right. Liam? Um, well, yeah, I mean, Hawke's Bay, I mean, they're, they're our neighbours here in the Mineral too, just, just over the hill, and we've all got plenty of family over there. And I just know that one of the things that's really quite hard is you have the disaster and then you have you have to wait. You have to wait to find out what's going to happen to your home. You've got to wait to find yeah. out what assistance is going to be from the government. The government's got its got to take its time to, to devise an approach and work out work everything out and if natural disasters of this magnitude are just going to become more and more common i mean is there any value in like having some sort of scheme in advance some sort of regular framework in advance so that people can know what's what they can expect more or less uh you know in the immediate aftermath of a, of a disaster or do we just have to take do we have to take an ad hoc approach to each one Well, my, my comment is that we absolutely do not need to be ad hoc about these matters. And in fact, you know, we've got a regulatory framework in place that uh, is multidimensional and among other things includes the civil defense emergency management framework. And there is a lot of clarity around um, what should happen. But um, part of our challenge is that we are entering into this era of climate compounded risk. And, you know, the, the main legislative foundation for learning how to adapt is work that is in progress and unfortunately has yet to be uh, finalized. It's the, third, it's the third leg of the tripod of the Resource Management Act replacement architecture. And part of the reason it's so difficult to put that third leg in place is because it, it raises these fixing questions. And whilst we're talking 700 homes here that have been judged to be um, not places that you would want to allow future home building. The problem across Aotearoa is much more substantial oh. and frightening. And, you know, I could share some numbers around that, but, you know, instead of talking hundreds of homes, we're now talking thousands of homes, thousands of kilometres of roads and, and rail and multiple airports and so on. And so we're, we're talking billions of dollars uh, to deal with these realities. And this new legislation has got to help put a line in the sand around how we're going to navigate this. And it's beyond party politics. This is now requiring cross-party agreement on a way forward for the well-being of all communities in Aotearoa, in particular those living in harm's way. I'm thinking too, Rewani might want to jump in, but I'm thinking too of uh, those recent flooding and also going back a few years there, Bruce, you had South Dunedin, significant inundation there, deep flooding. Uh, you had the likes of Westport, you had the likes of Nelson with the Maitai River there um, causing uh, extraordinary flooding from the river, but also landslides to Hunanui. Are you, th- are you thinking that what happened here and this payout, we could expect these scenarios to just keep mm. on happening unfortunately that is that is our reality you know we are living in a world of climate change and amongst many other changes but there are more people um, that are living in New Zealand this is a hazard scale it's naive to think that we can just roll out greenfield development ignoring the perils um, of this landscape there's a reason that we do not 
see development everywhere. And, and some of that reason is because some of these places are significant from a cultural point of view, from a Manafenua point of view, from a biodiversity point of view, but also because there are landslides, there are earthquakes, there are, um, you know, storms and uh, floods and so on. So, you know, we need to be mindful. When you make a decision to allow subdivision in an area exposed to these natural hazards, you are committing future generations to that peril. And buying people out and trying to relocate people is a very expensive way that can be avoided by, in the first place, following a cardinal rule. Do not allow development in harm's way. That should be an, a no-brainer, and it should be cast in stone. And yet, even today, councils are tempted in, uh, in many cases to uh, open up development in the hope that they can mitigate those impacts but I can, you know, we're seeing over and over again that that is very short-sighted and uh, inappropriate. Um, Final thought there, Ravani. Yeah, we're I, living in a hazardscape. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree about the bipartisan approach, okay. um, Bruce. And, and you know, I, I don't know if opposition was consulted. I haven't seen their reaction to it, but it needs to be future-proof for, you know, depend, okay. you know, not dependent on any government. It's great to have you on the programme, Bruce. Kia ora. Appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you. As Professor Bruce Klevovich, their School of People, Environment and Planning at Massey University, not mincing words there when it comes to future scenarios. Uh, but that news there, 700 properties not be built on again, up to 10,000 needing additional protection works before homes could be rebuilt. 17 pass for the panel, RNZ National. Are we seeing the floor in house prices? The housing market is possibly close to bottoming them out, with some regions taking a much bigger hit than others, particularly Wellington. The national average asking price in May was $866,000, only slightly below April, which was $866,000, uh, 829, the former 866,696. It's hardly a difference month on month, but average prices were down 9.6% from the same time last year. So with us is Nathan Miglani, Managing Director at New Zealand Mortgages. Nathan, kia ora, good to have you on the panel. Good day, thank you so much for having me. A lot of people driving home, we wanted to hear about this. Are we seeing a possible floor approaching? Uh, look, the short answer is yes, um, and that's Purely uh, driven by the you know the latest OCR uh, announcement we had uh, a week ago, where Reserve Bank has clearly signalled um, that their intention is to now hold the OCR um, at that level for at least 12 months. I think that was absolutely what everyone was expecting to hear from Edwin or um, that yes, the rates they have gone too high too quick but now the rates will be sort of stable for the next 12 months. Okay. And to answer your question, yes, uh, I think we are at the bottom of the market. Okay. Interesting there, uh, Nathan. Let me ask you this. Are there any trends with this, the new prices? Are people moving toward any particular city? Oh, look, it's a no-brainer. Everyone is aware of what's happening in crisis right now. Um, we, The amount of mortgages we've done from people moving from Auckland from the last six months 
as what we would have done over the last four years. Um, really? We hardly wow. used to... Oh, absolutely. Like, you can ask any mortgage advisor in Canterbury. Um, everyone is doing at least one in five mortgages from people moving from Auckland. Um, I've just had a couple settled a, a couple of weeks ago. They bought a three-bedroom, two-bathroom, double garage for 595. What? Uh, close to the school. So it's just a very affordable market right now. So Christchurch is booming at the expense of Auckland. Let me put this out across the country. Um, wow. have, do you know of anyone, or have, Rani, have you indeed heard of anyone, or are you in the position of moving from Tamaki Makaurau to uh, Ototahi? Are you moving from um, Auckland to Christchurch? That let would me be know. a no. That would yeah. be a hard no from me, but um, interesting. Uh, I do have friends who have uh, done that, but, How about that? Uh, several years ago, but yes. Definitely bang for is, is it the new Tauranga, do you think? Um, but Nathan, isn't this what we want? You know, I, I'm reading the headlines and it's all doom and gloom, but isn't this what we wanted to, to slow down this runaway gargantuan train? Yeah, look, I, I think what happened um, is probably not a bad thing for first-time buyers because, God, 18 mm. months ago, um, you know, that, that market was just not stable. Every week there was property was going up. 10,000, 5,000, and it was just crazy. It was actually uh, absolutely madness. So, so just on the back of you know what has happened now, um, we are saying sort of yes, the prices have dropped 10, 15 percent from the peak, but those prices were never sustainable anyway at mm-hmm. first place. Um, right now, I think with the help of Kayongaora, the new rules, you can buy your first home with as little as five percent deposit. So, I think that's a. I personally think what we are seeing right now until, say, September, October is probably a really good time. If you are in a position to buy your first home and you can afford the mortgage, I think you should seriously look at. Um, yes, the rates have actually maxed out, but um, it's it's pretty affordable market out there. And you would say that too, Nathan. <laughs> Liam here. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, um, you know, I, I own a law firm. I, I, I foolishly started it right at the start of the collapse in prices, and so, um, you know, we've uh, you know we've had very little residential conveyancing compared to what I had expected and and budgeted for. Um, so any uh, any news of stabilisation would be um, would be awesome, um, especially if it you know leads to a bit more freed up inventory and. And hopefully yeah. that's the the effect. Um, but the, it's certainly true that the Christchurch housing market has been um, quite functional for a long time. And uh, you know we we lost people from Palmer's North to Christchurch because housing was more affordable in Christchurch. It was easier to get on the property ladder, and that that's been the case for a couple of years. So whatever they've done in Christchurch, they've, they've got it right. Nathan, and what we see right now is it's just uh, you know when we start investors coming back in. That's a clear signal of um, things are getting back on track. So we've hardly had any activity in our office uh, for, from property investors. But now from the last sort of four to six weeks, we've seen, you know, investors are sort of just getting ready. They're gearing up to make sure, OK, if the things will change, then, yes, we would like to buy investment property. So um, I think to answer your question, we are at the bottom. I think rates are right at the peak. Yeah, Nathan, I just wanted to ask, so that one in five mortgages, is that for um, residential, uh, you know, people living in the homes or was it um, just residential? Uh, All residential. Just people moving from, you know, um, she's a registered nurse. He mm. works for Vodafone. Um, he works for IRD. She works for DHB. You know, yeah. those easy to every day. Yeah, easy. Swap yeah, over. People moving, getting same jobs, getting transfers, um, and and buying a house which is half price. And you. <laughs> 
<laughs> Liam, are you going to do it? Is stop Liam selling Christchurch, Nathan. We're very happy in Auckland, <laughs> aren't we, oh, Rawani? Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm a city girl. Christchurch is the second biggest city. It's too flat. Too flat. I need some hills. Too big for me. It's too too urban. I like climbing Monga and looking around. Sorry, it's too. Yeah, you could do it, Liam. Flat to flat, see. And also, (laughs) so you only need you don't you know to sort of. I was in Auckland ten years ago, so surely I don't miss that. Do you miss do you miss Auckland, Nathan? Come on, got good friends there. The restaurants, Flatbush, and Kapuna. Every day, so you can imagine my life going from waterway, going from... Oh, my goodness. No, no wonder. It was not exciting, put it this way. Are you being paid by the the city council? Tourism? Nathan, here's one one for you. Um, uh, Moved to Christchurch five years ago from Auckland, has so much to offer that is often scoffed at. 50-minute commute from most places, beaches, dry climate, mountains. For someone who's lived in most big cities in Europe, New Zealand does big towns well like Christchurch, not so much the El Cities. Nathan, kia ora, good to have you on the programme, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. Really Thanks. appreciate that. Take care. That's Nathan McLarney. Fascinating. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? It's a so good there's story. a real exodus yeah. of Aucklanders going to Christchurch. I really want to hear uh, if you're a family or if you're someone who has moved to Christchurch, I want you to get in touch with me, 2101, or email the panel at rnz.co.nz. And why? Why did you go? Was it because of the house prices? Are you are you honestly happy in Manawatu, Liam? <laughs> I love it. You know, I mean, I'm very well travelled. I lived in Wellington for um, like five years, so you know, I've seen everything that there is to offer. I'm really happy in in, in the in the Manawatu. My little village of 600 people. It's an idyllic life. I would recommend it to anyone. Wicked. You it's good. Sense. People are all different. Wallace, That's everyone's right. different. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, now, more here. Uh, lots of Aucklanders have come to Rangiora, sold up, come here, and ended up with half a million or more in the bank. The West Coast is booming with people moving from Auckland at retirement, says Mike. Just a, uh, just a real small word on this. Uh, the powerful Privileges Committee of Senior MPs, chaired by Attorney General David Parker, has been tasked with investigating whether Tanetti's delay in correcting a statement to the House amounts to a contempt of Parliament or breach of privilege. In question time in February, Tanetti had claimed she had no responsibility for the release of school attendance data, but was told by staff later that day she was incorrect. But... She failed to correct the record until early May when the Speaker of the House, Adrian Ruafe, wrote to her to explain she needed to do so. So she's going to be questioned for an hour by senior MPs next week over whether she deliberately missed Parliament. I want to just ask you around the panel, Rwanin, Chris Luxon said, well, he's argued that there are behavioural changes in the Labour Party. They've gone through a number of ministers not following cabinet manuals. Storm the keeper, teacup, something to see here? Uh, it's not a good look, I suppose. Um, I heard May Chen earlier on this week uh, saying, you know, she is kind of a green MP and all of that. But, you know, if I was Jantanetti's team, the one way she can just make this all go away is resolve the teachers' strike and stop this okay. instability and, and continual rolling strikes. Give them what they want. Get them, you know, going and and say that you're the you're the um, minister that solved it. That would take us off the headlines, Liam. What about you? 
Well, look, I think that, like, you know, the, the, the excuse is often given that, you know, I didn't know what the rules were or the, I'm an inexperienced minister and I didn't understand I had to do that. But these rules have a basis in, in morality, right? Like, you know that if you give the wrong answer or you say something wrong and you find out that you, you, you mislead someone, you bring it up as soon as you can, right? It's not just a matter of thinking of knowing what the precise rules, you know, were and aren't. Now, having said that, you know, there's a real good opportunity here for the Labour Party to disprove Christopher Luxon by, you know, the, the Labour Party controls um, the government. It's got an absolute majority in the House. There's an opportunity for them to conduct these proceedings with a high level, high level of integrity and without interest, uh, sort of recourse to party interest. And I think if they can do that and they can uh, show that they're being really procedurally fair but also tough on their colleague, we've got a long way to showing that, yep, there's still integrity in government. Fair yeah, enough. fair enough. Yeah, good point. Very good. All right, we'll clean that one up there. Uh, it is 28 past four. The panel RNZ National. Wallace, I've lived in Auckland, Wellington, London and Wanaka. I moved to Christchurch two years ago. I love no. it. I love it. No. Beaches. London. City living. Less expensive homes and abundance of new townhouses. It's great bus network close to Mount Hutt. It is the best of all cities, isn't, wow. isn't this amazing? This is cool. It's really uh, is 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 Christchurch the future? Whoa. Yeah, have a think well, about no, that. I mean, I yeah. we we well, were losing we were losing people from Palmerston North to, to Christchurch, our third biggest city, because Christchurch was more affordable. So they're doing something right. Yeah, that's good. I definitely know the housing thing is amazing, and they're doing really good, you know, yeah. infill housing and that kind mm. of thing as well. I just want to put it out there. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to actually ditch the festival crowd clapping. I want to sort of come back to Liam here as I've been thinking, and it really <laughs> stuck in my craw this notion of you, Liam, in your Manawatu village, deciding to take the lift <laughs> when you had two stories. And I just want to put well, it out to our, uh, our panel family across the motu. Should Liam here, uh, as a young family man, should does he have a responsibility to his family to take the stairs, 2101, stairs or lift? Can I just um, – I just want to say a thing about the lift etiquette, about the button pushing. So I was visiting someone at the hospital the other day, crowded lift at Auckland Hospital, and the person that was near the button, I could – I usually – I think it's the onus of the person near the button to look at you and then you go five and then they press five kind of thing like that. And I'm, I had to kind of like, like muddle my way to the front and then kind of creep around to press the button that I wanted to. And I was like, you're hogging the actual panel. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's really rude. Yeah, a little bit. You press the button and move back to the back of the lift if you can. Correct. So when you step away from the panel. It's Friday, it's Friday tomorrow, Liam. So when you go into work at um, 9.30am, um, are you going to take the stairs or are you going to take the lift? No, I'll, I'll take the lift and, and, uh, and I'll see. I'll race my elderly clients who take the stairs and we'll see who gets there first. No, no, on a more serious note, because it's, it says something about you, I think, that you decide to take the lift in a two-story building. It's, it's there, you know, you like a, it's there to be used. Are you a 12,000 a step a day guy or no? Uh, some, somewhat less than 12,000, you know. <laughs> right. Anyway, <laughs> I just think you should take the stairs.